Bible says, Behold, what manner of love wherewith the Father has loved us, that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's what we've been singing about this morning. And I don't think we're ever going to get tired regarding singing about his wonderful love. Because every time that we meet together and every time that we wake each morning, we're reminded, well, I certainly am, reminded of where Jesus found me, of how Jesus accepted me and embraced me with all of the things that I brought along with my life with all of the bags and all of the mess that was inside them. He didn't condemn me for it. He didn't criticize me or get his big stick out and correct me. He just said, come here, I love you. I've died for you. I paid for all of that stuff you're carrying. I paid for all of that stuff that you're hiding that you don't want anybody to see. I paid for all of the sinful tendencies that come so naturally and are so prevalent in your life, I'm here to stand with you. As we've already said, I'm here to stand with you now and walk down the road of life with you to make sure that we get you where God wants you to go. At the end of it all, when it's all wrapped up, don't worry, I'm with you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. You're going to get there. You're going to come on right on through to everything that I've planned for you, not just in this life, but also in the life to come. Amen. Amen. That's why I never get tired singing about his love. That's why I will never, like you, get tired of just even just thinking about him, the wonderful, the wonderful person he is, Jesus. Amen. 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 Father, we thank you today. It's been a joy again to sing our praises, to just let the song of our heart come up before you. Thank you. We're in your presence and you're in our presence. And there's no separation between us. We don't know how it works, but we know by experience that you listen to every word. You see every thought. You watch and observe the good times, the bad times, the ugly times. And you're a loving heavenly father. We just want to say thank you. We just want to, yeah, we want to say thank you, Lord, today. And we may not be where we want to be today, but thank God we're not where we were. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But you made us alive God, because you loved us, you made us alive in Christ Jesus. Before we receive the word this morning, let's give him one more shout. Just make a noise. Hallelujah. We love you, Jesus. We praise you. We praise you. And you may take your seats. Let's give our musicians a great encouragement. Absolutely fantastic. Do you know what? We're all living busy lives. We've all got lots of things to do in the course of a normal week. And these musicians, Noel and the team, do you know they dedicate their time 
they dedicate their skill to God, to Jesus, to his cause, to his kingdom, to his church. And I'm telling you now that it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of time, a lot of training, and a, and a lot of commitment to do what they do. But they do it, you know, faithfully, consistently, no matter what's happening in the outside of their life, outside of church, or outside of what we do here on a Sunday, they're, they're in through thick and thin. Let's give God praise for that. Yeah. Amen. That, you know, I tell you now, to build God's kingdom and to build God's church, we have to have consistent, faithful people. And that's what this team are. Just imagine if, if a few of them decided to, you know, take some time off. Well, I'm going to take time out today because life isn't very good. There's lots of times when life isn't very good. And yet they choose to consistently be here in every season. And I think, you know, we should pray for them. We should encourage them. And we should, you know, just thank God for, for them and also the many other people that are serving in the church. I'm picking on the musicians this morning. But next week it could be the welcome team. Man, there's some stories there. But we should give, we should give God, you know, um, thanks for the people that really have rooted their lives down in this place to serve others that come in. It's really important. Okay. I want to, um, I want to talk and just introduce something today that I think we're going to be looking at in the coming months. I, I feel it on my heart. I feel it in my spirit that it's, it's necessary to go in this direction and to bring our thoughts around to this. I want to talk to you about the power of a changed mind. The power of a changed mind. Now, I'm not going to be speaking about this next week because we've got Pastor Ray home. Fantastic. Pastor Ray is doing absolutely amazing, traveling, you know, all over the world, seeing, I'm sure he'll tell you, seeing literally thousands of people come to Christ, seeing, you know, churches encouraged and strengthened. So we've got the the privilege of having Pastor Ray back with us uh, next week. So please don't miss that. Invite people. And uh, you, you, we are all in for a great, great morning next week. Um, and also in March, we've got Terry Law coming through. Woohoo! The 007 of the church, he's coming. Pastor Ray's going to be here on that morning as well. So there's lots of exciting things ahead of us. We're chatting with Chris uh, Mickelson tonight in Hillsong in Guildford. Faye and I are going down there this evening with the kids. We're going on a road trip. And we're going to be talking about when Chris and the team, the Hillsong team, can come down and do some nights, some midweek uh, worship nights in the church. So there's loads of exciting things happening. So keep praying, you know, keep coming, keep, you know, committing yourself into what God is doing here because we haven't seen anything yet. I tell you, we really haven't. But I want to introduce this uh, this morning. Living in the power of a changed mind. Living in the power of a changed mind. When you change your mind, you change your life. You really do. One of the hardest things to do is to change your mind. One of the most difficult things, I'm talking by experience... I'm a work in progress. One of the most challenging, one of the most difficult things that I face 
is to change thoughts and to change attitudes and to change modes of thinking that have come across from the other side into God's kingdom. But God is into helping us change our mind. God is into helping us deal with those thoughts and those attitudes and and those ruts in the way that we think so that we enter into all of the wonderful things that he has for us within our lives. But one of the greatest, one one of the biggest challenges that you or I will face will be in the area of the way that we think. But Jesus wants to help us change the the way that we think. I think in a home, and this is our home, this is our spiritual home, we should also be looking out for one another. I think that we should be trying to help one another change the way that we think. If, for instance, you see an attitude within me, if you see a way of thinking that's in error, that I need help with, I don't need your criticism. I don't need, you know, uh, scrutinizing. I need help. And, you know, I've learned this. I need all the help that I can get. But that's the great thing about being in a family, you see. We're in a family. And there will be times in the family where old attitudes arise. Where, Where old ways of thinking come up. And they try to steer and, and, and direct and, and have their way and have their voice and stand proud and stand toe-to-toe with the direction of the house. And they stand up and they misbehave because that's what old ideas and old attitudes and, and emotional responses tend to do. But you see, a family is big enough to take that on. A family of friends, a family of brothers and sisters, a family that, have, that has been joined together, that's called the church, that is his body, can help out and deal with those wrong attitudes and wrong mindsets. Do you know, a bad attitude is a lot like bad breath. The moment that you open your mouth and start speaking, everybody <laughs> becomes aware of it. Have you ever had... Have you ever had, you know, a meal with loads of garlic in it? And, you know, the next morning you think that you've left the meal behind in the pre- on, on the previous night. And then, you know, you walk in and you begin to speak to your colleague, colleagues. You speak to your friends. And immediately they are, they are encountering the smells and the aromas of a previous night in your mouth. And it's just not working. A bad attitude can be like that. You know, very often we, we voice what we think. We, we, we voice our, our hurts and, and the, the things that we picked up and carried. And we voice them and very much like, you know, bad breath, a bad attitude. As soon as you begin to express it, as soon as you begin to air it, everybody around you is aware of it. And people just nod their head, maybe silently agree, and, you know, just go with it. But everybody knows. Everybody knows. Oh, yeah, I'll give a big hallelujah, praise the Lord to that one. Everybody knows. 
that the attitude is wrong. God wants to help us with our attitudes, with, with our mindsets. And we want to help each other. Because as a family, there will be times and occasions where things change. Suddenly, something new happens. God is into change. He says, for instance, in Isaiah, Behold, I will do something new. Suddenly it will come forth. I mean, what happens when that happens in a home? When that happens in a family? When everything is predictable? When everything is planned and set? And then suddenly somebody stands up and says, Right, God's doing something new. We're not going to do it this way anymore. We're going this way. And God is behind it. What happens when that happens? Well, lots of things can arise as a result of that. Lots of emotions, lots of, of voices, lots of attitudes, lots of opinions can just suddenly manifest like bad breath. Now, I'm not saying that anything new necessarily is going to happen today. I'm not, I'm not you know, I haven't, I haven't got anything in my mind necessarily that God's going to do that is suddenly going to break forth and we're all going to feel, ah. But God, God is like that sometimes. God is like that. Suddenly things can happen and things can change. And all of a sudden the family gets unruffled. You know, just look at your home. You know, you're married. Let's say you're married and you've got children. And they're used to a routine. They're used to, you know, the home working in a, in a consistent way. And then suddenly change happens. And they mature and they grow. And, and your expectation of them, because they've grown now from being a little baby to an infant or, or, or to a young child, your expectation of them is different to what it was when they needed you to feed them. So they needed you to feed them. But now they can hold their own knife and fork. Now... You know, they can put their dishes in the dishwasher. And you begin to expect that from them. And suddenly, the little kid comes back up and says, No, I don't want to go with the changes. It's easier to sit in my seat than to be spoon-fed. It's easier for you to put the dishes in the dishwasher and not me. It's easier for you to make my bed and you to tidy my room and, and you to do all of these things and for me to watch and for me to stay on my iPad and for me to enjoy my life with my, my little dolls and you do all the hard work. No change. Change is important. And God is into change. So in Romans chapter 12, and we're going to hinge a lot of our time on this one verse and be led by it and just see different instances where this was challenged and where this was embraced and where maybe times where this was rejected. Romans chapter 12, Paul is talking to believers and he's telling them that their, their, their life in God is to be a transformable life, an ever-changing life. On another occasion, he said, talking about the Christian life now. Not, you know, a life out in the world, but the Christ life. He said, we go from faith to faith, 
from glory to glory. Nothing's, you know, stale about this life. It's glorious. It's a glorious life. So talking to believers, he tells them. And there's a warning and an encouragement in just this little small verse. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Don't be conformed to the world. Don't listen to the messages that are bombarding your mind, that are bombarding your life and trying to mold you and trying to shape you and trying to be the voice that says, this is the way that it's going to be. That word conformed means to be squeezed into a mold, to be fashioned, to be crafted after the spirit of the world. And Paul says, listen, there's loads of messages out there that wants to squeeze you into its mold, that wants to press you into its little box, but don't be conformed. Don't be conformed to the messages that are so prevalent, that are so strong, that are so fashioning or trying to fashion your life. And then he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You may know this, you may not know it, but that word transformed in the original language is the word metamorphosis. It's what happens to the little slug or the little caterpillar that's crawling on the ground, the caterpillar doesn't ever think that it's, be, it's going to become a beautiful butterfly. The caterpillar thinks that it's just going to be sucking up dirt for the rest of its life. And then suddenly, a change occurs. You see, God uses change. God uses change as a crisis to bring you into that place of transformation. So the caterpillar hits a crisis point in its little earthbound existence. Suddenly, everything begins to change. The caterpillar goes into what we call a chrysalis. And it looks as if it's completely immobile now. It looks as if everything's over. Nothing else is going to emerge for this little caterpillar in its future. It goes into a chrysalis state. No movement. Seemingly no life. It's a crisis. And then suddenly, that caterpillar that's gone into that chrysalis, into that immobile state, suddenly begins to break forth and break out of it. And what emerges now is not a little caterpillar that's going to spend its life existence sucking up dirt. What emerges now is a graceful, beautiful butterfly that, can, that has color, that has symmetry, that has detail and design. And now the butterfly is no longer bound to the ground. The, the butterfly flies gracefully through the sky. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, don't be conformed to the messages of this world. Be renewed in your mind. There's a crisis opposing you. There's a problem that, that's standing in your way. Say, oh, thank you, Jesus, for trusting me with a problem. 
Thank you, Jesus, for trusting me with this crisis. Thank you, Jesus. There's no way forward. There's no way around. There's no way back. It's a crisis for you. You're going into a chrysalis. It seems as if you're immobile. It seems as if you can't move or can't do anything. You can't think your way through it. You can't act your way around it. You've come to a standstill. You're in a crisis. What's happening? You're at a point where you're going to renew your mind. Your life's going to be transformed because you're going to come out of that crisis like a beautiful butterfly that flies gracefully, that can overcome the challenge, that can overcome the crisis, that can stand in front of the mountain with seed-like faith and say, be removed, be cast into the sea. And suddenly you realize that you have a confidence, a newness of life in God. That's wonderful. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't be conformed to the messages of this world. Well, God listens to them, but he doesn't listen to me. Don't be conformed. Don't allow that thought to shape your mind. God listens to you as much as he listens to anybody else. The same blood was shed for you. The same price was given for you as it was given for anybody else. But he only listens to the flashy preachers. They're the ones that have the connect. Don't get me on this one. They're the ones that have the connection with God. Their life is dripping with favor. Don't be conformed to that message. It's not in the word of God. It's not in the promises of the Bible. No. Listen to the word of God. Whatever you, you and I, whatever you ask in my name, he says to you, that will I do. Not any fancy preacher dripping with gold. That will I do. That the Father may be glorified. Oh, if we only, if we only believed 1% of the Bible, I feel. If I only believed 1% of it. My God. How life would be so different. How life would be so dynamic. How we'd be able to help so many more people. If I only ever believed one verse. Truly have it rooted in me, if I only ever believe that fully, whatever I ask in your name, I'm confident, Jesus, that you will do it. I'm confident, Jesus, that because you listen to me and because I come into your presence, I'm confident that will you do, that the Father may be glorified. In fact, I'm so confident by living in your presence, by being aware of your nearness, I can ask anything and it will be done. My God, if I could believe that, if I could get that in me, life would be so amazing and wonderful. And God says, I want you to live like that church. I want you to, to have that confidence, church. I want you to be strong, not in the messages, not in the, 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 the recitals of this world, but I want you to be strong with a renewed mind in my word that you might be able to prove the good and the acceptable will of God, that you, not theoretically or, method or, or, or in your method, 
But in your experience that the will of God is visibly, tangibly being unfolded before your everyday life. I want a renewed mind. I don't know about you. I don't want to be listening to the messages of my world that are limiting me. I want to be listening to the messages of God's word. So that if we ever find ourselves, you know, with our shirts ripped and our backs beaten, sitting in the prison, I want to have the mind that says, hey Silas, I think we need to praise God. It's the midnight hour. I think we need to sing a song. Oh, but Paul, Paul, my back's bleeding. No, he didn't say that. He had a renewed mind. And at the midnight hour, he began to sing. What kind of mind thinks like that? What kind of spirit is in a man for him to sing after he'd been so humiliated and so defeated? And they were down on their knees and still they start singing. What kind of strength is in a man to be able to make that decision and to be so undefeated by life and by the powers that were trying to destroy them. What kind of spirit is in a person? I'll tell you what kind of spirit. The Holy Spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. A renewed mind will empower you to do that. A renewed mind will, 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 will enable you to give thanks for every crisis that others would break under. A renewed mind, a renewed spirit will enable us to be strong and not see ourselves in the corner of this nation, but as a light on a hill in the midst of darkness. My God, I was going to be really pastoral this morning. <laughs> oh, Jesus is Lord. The Spirit of God is in this place. The Spirit of God has the best for you. He said, I will counsel you. Not, you know, take you down some dead-end road of thinking. He said, I will counsel you. I'll be the spirit of truth. You'll always get a yes from the Holy Ghost. You will always get, yes, you can do all things through Christ who strengthened you from the Holy Ghost. You'll never get from the Holy Ghost. Well, you know, I don't know if you need to make that decision. You better be careful. You better be afraid. No, the Holy Ghost with his encouragement, with his words, is pushing you forward. Telling you, you can do it. You can do this. That promotion in work, go for it. Be the one that gets it. Be the one that excels. Be the one that has God's favor and God's blessing on their lives. Yeah, it's amazing. What a transformed mind, a transformed life can achieve. Hallelujah. So your job's coming to an end. Thank you, Jesus. You got a new one for me. Woo! And who knows? Who knows? What's going to happen? Your job's coming to an end. Behold, I will do a new thing, he says to you. Suddenly it will come forth. And it will be a blessed thing. It will be a prosperous thing. It will be an anointed thing. It will be a God thing that is all over. Because he gives us power to get wealth to establish his covenant. I tell you now, if you have at the core of you a desire to establish God's kingdom, to establish God's covenant, if you have got that at the core of your heart, you will be amazed at what God pulls out financially. 
Financially, it's about time. You know, we get some millionaires in this place. But we've got to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with all the money when God starts giving it to us? Before we start asking for the money. He will give you power to get wealth. To establish his covenant. That's a promise. So the renewed mind, the renewed mind is a mind that's changed, that's opened, that's been impregnated with the mind of Christ. Paul says we have the mind of Christ. We corporately together have the mind of Christ. What does that mean? Well, I'll tell you what it means. And I, I, man, this is big stuff. But when the mind of Christ stood outside a tomb and everybody else was just, you know, playing a dirge and playing the, the, you know, the, the, the funeral music, the mind of Christ turned up and said, roll the stone away. Now, when you're not in that mind, you say, but Lord, his body stinks. You see? Um, let's be honest. Would you have said that? I would have. Jesus, don't take the stone away from that tomb. Lazarus is rotting. But you see, a different mind. A different approach. One that's not been conformed and fashioned by the world. Bring him out. My God. Suddenly, out comes Lazarus. Take his bandages off and the next thing we read about, they're having tea together. I mean, that'll really freak you out. But that's the God we serve. Let's, he's not some little dwarf. He's not some little image, you know, in the corner. He's mighty. And we know this. I am not telling you anything that you do not believe this morning. You know this as the people of God. Listen, let's expect, let's get stirred up this morning with a new level of expectancy in our relationship with God. Man, he's gonna, you're going to see him do amazing things. You really are. Why? Because he loves you. He wants to use you. And in that connection, when you walk with him, you are going to be so fulfilled as a Christian. You really are. The mind of Christ. There's miracles all around it. Demoniacs being suddenly set free who were running around naked in the countryside. Going crazy, cutting himself, breaking chains. Absolute madman. But the mind of Christ goes through a storm all night, gets to the other side, expels the devils, and suddenly the man is going through five cities telling everybody what Jesus has done for him. The mind of Christ doesn't just classify and categorize, categorize people and walk on by and say, do you know what? That man's a madman. I'm staying this side of the shore. I wouldn't go anywhere near him. No, Jesus, I'm telling you now, he's not some religious figure that's in a stained glass window. He's in a boat. He goes through a storm, brings peace to the storm, gets to the other side after traveling all night with no sleep rebukes the devils in the man, casts them into swine, and then the man's going through five cities, and all of a sudden, the whole country's ablaze 
by one man being delivered by Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, Jesus can do anything. Believe me, there are apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers in the nightclubs and the pubs of Wales right now. But the Spirit of God knows each one of them by name, and he's going to get every last one of them, and they're going to go all over the world. I'm telling you, Wales is going to be known as a nation that sends people all over the world like it did before. The church... It's going to see wonderful increase because he is the God that gives increase. Not because of any superstar or any personality or any, you know, fancy message. No, I tell you now, the message is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when it is spoken, whether it's from a platform or whether it's over a coffee table or over lunch in your workplace, it is powerful and dynamic. And it's working. So over the next weeks, this is just a little introduction this morning. Just a little warm up for where we're going. Over the next months or whatever, we're going to be looking at the, the wonderful, the wonderful power. Life-changing experience of a renewed mind. Don't be conformed, he says. James in his letter says that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Isn't it amazing how true the Bible is? Do you ever find you read little lines in the Bible like that and you think, I'm just like that. I'm full of instability. Maybe you don't read it like that. I do. One minute, I'm full of faith. Standing toe-to-toe with any contender, whether visible or invisible. And then I'm afraid, running and hiding. Lord, I can't do this. Unstable. Unstable. In your ways, Dave. Unstable. Don't feel bad about it, Dave. Going to help you, son. Gonna make you stable, Dave. Gonna get you to a place where your mind is renewed. Gonna get you to a place, Dave, where the Bible says, gird up the loins of your mind. Pick the loins of your mind up. Pick every thought up. And some you've got to pick them up and check them out. Because they're gonna bring you down. And they're not in the life that He's prescribed for us. Gird up the loins of your mind, Dave. That slack way of thinking. That double-minded way of thinking that's making you unstable. That's, that's breaking step with following me. Come on, Dave. Good the, lo- the loins of your mind up. Pick the loose areas up. Renew your mind. Because, Dave, once you start to renew your mind, once you begin to discern what is right and what is wrong, what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, once you begin to filter your thoughts and police your thoughts with the living, acting word of God, like a sword inside you, once you begin to discern your thoughts with that word, with that searchlight, with that thought, Dave, on the other side of that is massive transformation. 
The other side of that, Dave, is, is you walking in line with my will and experience it visually and physically before you, unfolding every day. Thank you, Lord. Bible is full of it. Honestly, what I'm saying with you this morning is not Mickey Mouse, friends. Walt Disney didn't come up with this. I tell you what, he came up with a lot of rubbish, but he didn't come up with this. This is the living word of God. Amen. The living word of God. Heaven and earth, the Bible says, will pass away. But his word will stand forever. Forever. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord abides forever. And the Holy Spirit is just saying to us, Get excited. Those old thoughts that are dragging you down, it's about time that you pick them up, chuck them out. It's about time that you take hold of them and address them and start living the life that I have purchased for you. And honestly, you know, he doesn't say that. I'm talking to me now. I'm preaching at me. Right? So don't please don't take this as a, telling you the Holy Spirit has got so much so much for us Amen Well that's the first line on the page plenty more to go the Bible on many many different fronts over thousands of years shows us how this one little verse in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 unfolds. You look through the, the, the window of the scriptures and you can see men and women being conformed to the messages of their generation. You can see men and women backing off, shrinking back, running away from God. But also you can see men and women Not conforming to the messages of their world. But being renewed in the spirit of their mind. And entering into that transformed life. Entering into everything that God has for them. Proving the good and the perfect will of God for their life and for their generation. Amen. I'm going to ask the musicians to come. We're going to close telling you now, be encouraged today. It's not going to be the same old, same old for you. No. It would be the same old, same old if God wasn't involved. But he loves you too much. He loves me too much for life just to be the same old, same old. But if things are going to change and life is going to be transformed, the crucial area that we're going to have to deal with is in the area of our mind. The Bible says, above all else, guard your heart. The heart is the place that the Bible talks about. It's not the blood pump. That's a heart. But the Bible refers to the heart not as the blood pump. Blood pump. The Bible refers to the heart as the center of your being the place of your mind the place of your spirit 
the place of your will where it's all comprised. That's why Jesus says, can I come in please? I want to help you right at the center. The heart is that center. And the Bible says, God says, look, whatever you do, diligently guard your heart. Diligently, diligently police what goes in there. What your eyes see and the images that you look at and the messages that you listen to. Why? Because they filter all down into that place, that center that is so precious. The heart. The heart. Jesus said from the heart comes good and evil. An unpoliced heart, an unchecked heart, a heart that has no protection, a heart that doesn't have the word of God like a sword within it can have all kinds of destructive elements. And the mind begins to think all of these things. And on another front, the Bible says, as a man thinks, so is, so is he. You see, the Lord, Jesus, and the company of this family, I believe, want to help, want to stand by, if you're in a place where your mind, you think, man, I, I just need my mind renewed. Listen, he's going to help you. He's going to stand by you. Guard your heart. Because from it, life is built. Life is experienced. Life comes into physical form. Not as a result of chance events just coming their way. Life doesn't just automatically drop on you. No, life comes from you. Your experience of life, the whole building block of life is not just left to chance or it just doesn't automatically evolve before you. It comes from within you. So that's why God wants to be at the center. Because when he's at the center, the building blocks of life are going to be wonderful and glory, glorious where you go from a faith-to-faith -faith experience with God, from glory to glory, just as he said. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to sing. Father, we thank you today for this word, this introduction. Lord, you've told me that uh, to go this way, to feed your people in this way. And Lord, I pray, as your word is sown, as you instruct us and teach us, and counsel us. I pray that all of those old patterns of thinking would wash away. And Lord Jesus, we would enter into this renewed life, this renewed mind, this transformed state of being. In Jesus' name. Amen.